Welcome to another episode here at Supernatural Confessions Podcast, where it is a safe place for you to confess all your experiences, be it supernatural, myths, urban legends, superstitions, or even the unknowns. And as a team, we'll compile and feature your confessions on our platforms. You may reach out to us through our Facebook page or website. You just need to search supernaturalconfessions.com And you are also invited to join us every Friday night on our Facebook Live where Eugene, the founder of Supernatural Confessions, Sonia Kurana, occasionally Joe Dakota, and I host a weekly live show discussing all about the supernatural. I'm Kim, your host for this podcast series. And now, let's get on to the confessions. Is there anyone here? What did you find? You are listening to Supernatural Confessions. The first confession for this week's podcast come all the way from United Kingdom. Have you ever wondered what is it like to be living very near to a cemetery? This is a confession by Chris and it is voiced by Linda. Let me share with you one spooky encounter I had with an Angmo ghost during the Angmo Ghost Month. I emigrated from Singapore to England many years ago. My home was a quaint, rustic Victorian terrace house located on the quiet cul-de-sac in West London. At the back of the house, separated by a hedgerow, was an old cemetery which was closed for new burials a long time ago. Let me walk you through the layout of my house. The ground floor had a bright double reception room with bay windows that faced the quiet street. The kitchen was at the back of the house, and this led into a small, secluded garden. I couldn't see the cemetery from my kitchen or garden because it was blocked by a thick hedgerow, but upstairs, my bedroom had a full view of the cemetery. It was mid-October when I moved into the house. On the whole, I would say the ground level of the house was bright, airy, and friendly. But at nightfall, it was the bedroom where I felt really, really uncomfortable. I could sense someone watching me right from right outside my bedroom window. Although I had the blinds drawn and the bedroom radio turned on 24-7, I just couldn't shake off that uneasy feeling of being watched, especially at night. I tried reassuring myself that I was just not used to living so close to a cemetery and blamed my overactive imagination. After all, I was just a typical HDB girl next door before my move to the UK. A couple of days after moving in, while cleaning my bedroom, I looked out the window and I spotted an old, neglected, forgotten grave overgrown with grass, moss and weed nearest to my garden with its headstone facing directly at my bedroom window. I made a mental note to check that grave out sometime later. Having said that, all this while, the feeling of being watched during the night just didn't subside. In fact, knowing that there was a grave a few feet away from my garden made it even worse as my imagination began to run even wilder. It was late afternoon nearing sunset, just a few days before Samain, Halloween. 
I was sweeping autumn leaves off my front porch. The street was empty. In fact, it was dead quiet. There wasn't a single soul in sight. From the corner of my eye, I noticed from a distance an elderly gentleman treading the pavement. He had a flat cap pulled down, covering almost three quarters of his face. He had his head down, and he was walking, or seemingly gliding slowly towards me. In the blink of an eye, this old man had stepped himself forward very suddenly. Imagine someone teleporting. Lo and behold, he was about ten feet from me. It struck me as odd, as he looked rather frail, and he was walking quite slowly initially, and he was quite a distance away, and it was just weird that he had picked up his pace so quickly. I haven't seen this old gentleman in this quiet neighbourhood before, and why was he walking towards what I practically knew was a dead end? Thoughts aside, I didn't want to be rude. I smiled and said hello to him as he approached. He did not answer. He just tipped his cap and continued walking with his head down. Now what scared the pants off me was as the old gentleman walked past me, I could clearly hear his voice in my head. Atkinson, your neighbour. Before I could begin to make sense of what just happened with another blink of my eye, the old gentleman was nowhere to be seen. I scanned the pavement left and right, but he was gone. How could that be? He had just simply vanished. Adoy! Who, where, what the bloody hell was that? Oh, remember the grave that I spotted nearest to my back garden from my bedroom window? The very next day after that weird incident, I decided to explore the cemetery. I managed to locate that specific derelict grave that was facing my bedroom window. The headstone was pretty weathered. The engraving had faded, and the inscription on it was pretty hard to make out. But I could vaguely see that it read, In loving memory of Edward Atkinson, born 1872, died 1956. You are listening to Supernatural Confessions Podcast. If you have your own confession, do share it with us through our website, supernaturalconfessions.com. Remember, you are not alone. So after listening to Chris' confession, would you want to live near a cemetery? After all, you are just having a dead neighbor instead of an annoying one. Next, we have a confession from our regular confessor, David Gay. His confession entitled, My Neighbor Uncle Came Back. I live in a high-rise condo in Kell City Centre and have been living here for the past 13 years. My next door neighbor was a Chinese uncle, his wife and two grown kids in their 30s. We have been neighbors for the past 12 years. And last year, before Chinese New Year, they moved into their brand new double-story terrace house which his son and daughter bought together because the uncle's son and his wife had two kids already and this 1,100 square feet apartment is not big enough for everybody. 
And for the past year and a half, I have not seen this family because their new house is about 25 km away. But the uncle did occasionally came back to stay alone in the house, I think because he just missed all his old mates here. The house was empty for around a year until it was sold to a Malay family. That was when my neighbor uncle stopped coming. He told me he reluctantly moved there and was angry with his two kids for selling this condo next to mine because he really liked this place. The view of Kel CC and the Kel skyline is just amazing. And few days before this post was written, David said, Three days ago, my wife told me that another neighbor on the same floor who happened to be her friend and a mutual friend of this uncle's family told her that my ex-neighbor, which is the uncle, passed away due to stomach cancer. He was admitted to the hospital less than a week and passed away due to his condition. He was 67 years old. I was quite sad to hear the news as this uncle hung out with me to chat for hours for the past 12 years and we used to chat in Hokkien as both of us were from Penang. I don't know if it was the seventh day or not after his passing, but this is what happened. My unit is the second last on one end of the block. Every night, I will walk to the lift lobby in the middle to throw my packet of garbage for the day. While walking past the uncle's house, there is this giant black swallowtail moth on the wall right opposite his main door. The moth was perched there for two days straight and didn't move an inch as if it's waiting for the new owners to open the door to let him in. The best part was, I caught a scent of the uncle together with the smell of the cheap cigarette he used to smoke. Although on my floor, there are neighbours who smoke as well and one of them even smoked at the common area right outside my unit because he doesn't want his house to smell like cigarette, but none of them smoke this cheap cigarette and it's a smell I recognise because I have been smelling it for the past 12 years being neighbour with his uncle. Furthermore, there was a distinct old uncle smell which only he emits. All my current neighbours are below the age of 45 which most of them averaging at 35 to 40 with no old folks living with them. So definitely, there won't be this particular old uncle scent lingering at the common corridor outside my unit. A few nights after when I was disposing my garbage, I noticed the swallowtail moth was gone and I didn't catch any of the secret smell or the uncle scent anymore. Could it be uncle came back one last time to visit his old home? Here at Supernatural Confessions, we would like to remind you whatever you don't see doesn't mean it is not there. Whether it is the uncle or not, we hope he rests in peace. Next confession we have entitled, Is she from Myanmar? And this confession is by Lilian Huang and it is voiced by Bell Xue. Is she from Myanmar? By Lilian Huang. 
There were a few incidents that happened in my lifetime, but thankfully, I've never seen an entity with my very eyes. These two incidents I'm about to share might involve the same entity, but it's based on description from two separate people. The very first incident involving this entity was when my family got a new BTO in Pongo Field back in 2005, when I was about 14 and my brother was about 12. The house was already renovated and my brother and I were so excited to move in. We couldn't wait to move to the new place, so even before all of our things were sent there, we convinced our parents to let us camp in our new home by ourselves. Our new beds have also been sent to the house, so it would be quite a comfortable stay. My brother and I have our own rooms in the new place, but because we've spent our whole lives before then sharing a room, he wasn't comfortable spending the night alone in his own room and asked to bunk in with me. I agreed, and we both fell asleep. The next morning, when I woke up, I noticed my brother was already awake, but was still curled up with his head under the comforter. When he saw I was awake, he asked me why didn't I wake up when he kept nudging me last night. I'm a light sleeper and usually will wake with a nudge. I did not feel him nudging me at all. He then told me that he saw a large figure in all black, which looked like a woman standing at the corner of my room in front of the window. When he saw her, he noticed that she was watching us and immediately ducked his head under the comforter. I told him he might be just having some form of lucid dreaming and not to dwell too much on it. Fast forward to 2012, after many other incidents in the house, we moved again, this time up north to Admiralty. We moved into a 10-year-old condominium, I didn't feel anything weird or experienced anything weird at the start. One year after moving in, I invited my university friends to sleep over after doing assignments together at my place. I dragged out mattresses into the living room so we could watch some movies and sleep all together right there in the living room. One of my friends woke up in the middle of the night. She had her phone on the couch just behind her head. When she tilted her head back a little to see where her phone was, she saw a towering, large, black figure whom she said looked like a woman as well looking at us. She stayed calm, took her phone to see what time it was, it was about 3.40ish, calmly put the phone back on the couch and pretended to go back to bed. The next morning, she asked me if I have ever experienced anything weird in this house. I looked at her and knew that she saw something. That was when she shared with me what happened just hours before. As she is quite sensitive and can see, hear, and feel entities, I asked her if the entity she saw was malicious. She told me that it looked darn scary, but from the energies, the entity felt ancient and more of a protector. This led me to think if this entity has always followed my family from generation to generation, as my parents were originally from Myanmar, and in Myanmar, they have all these stories about magic and spirits. What do you guys think this entity is? I'm staying at the same place, I have had some weird experiences, but I've never seen her. If you like the 
content here on the podcast. You are also invited to join Eugene, Sonia, Joe, and Kim at Supernatural Confessions Facebook page every Friday 10pm Malaysia and Singapore time where they'll discuss, dissect, and go deeper in details on your confession. And I'll be waiting for you there. With that confession, this week, know your hantu. We have Ma Fei It's a Burmese nut or spirit. And Burmese believes she is the guardian spirit of graveyards and cemeteries in Myanmar. If she is seen wandering in town with a coffin onto her shoulder with her long hair waving in the spectral breeze, someone from the town, usually a child, will soon fall sick and die. Ma Feiwa was believed to be a wrongfully murdered lady by her own brother. She then became a spirit and had no place to live, and later appeared in the dream of the village monastery abbot seeking for help. The abbot then allowed Ma Feiwa to live in the village graveyard. Ever since, she was known as the guardian of cemeteries, while wearing a yellow robe, which is how she got her name, the Yellow Ribbon Lady. King Tharawadi, the 8th king of Konbaung dynasty of Burma, declared the royal order to Ma Feiwa as the guardian of cemeteries during his reign. In the late 1990s, Ma Feiwa appeared in the dream of Taintaya Sayadaw, a prominent Buddhist monk mentioning her intention of devouring the flesh of babies. But the monk suggested that she dine on dog's meat instead. From that moment on, cautious parents who want to protect their newborn will put up signs in front of their homes that read, Our baby's flesh is bitter, but the dog's flesh is sweet. I'm sure bodies against animal cruelty has yet to exist back then. You are listening to Supernatural Confessions Podcast. If you have your own confession, do share it with us through our website, supernaturalconfessions.com. Remember, you are not alone. And because of the earlier confession, plus the Know Your Hanto is from Myanmar, we pick another confession also happens in Myanmar. And this confession is by Denise Wong. I work in an automotive company in Malaysia. And when we were expanding to Indochina, I traveled to Laos, Myanmar, Vietnam, Cambodia quite often for business purposes. In 2012, I went to Myanmar with four of my colleagues to prepare for an event. Whenever we go to Myanmar, we will stay in a boutique hotel. Let's just call it Hotel M. It was a very nice hotel, and we stayed there a few times prior to this trip. A few times when we were there, I always stay in a room that is in the middle of the corridor. And usually when I'm there, I notice that the corner room next to the staircase is rather dark and gloomy. I never like the corners. Back to this trip, 
it was considered peak season. When we got there, as the hotel was running full, the hotel has no other room. So I ended up getting the corner room. Although I asked for my usual room, but they said it is no longer available. But they offered me a larger room with the same price. I thought to myself, okay lah. So my colleagues and I went to our rooms and we said we will meet shortly downstairs for work. As soon as I got into the room, in an instant, I already disliked the room. Why? For there was a portrait of Aung San Suu Kyi. I personally never liked portraits in my room. But I did not put much thought into it. I went to the bathroom to relieve myself. When I went into the bathroom, I felt like someone was watching me. I shook that feeling off and after that, I went down to the lobby to meet with my colleagues. That was about 1pm. So off we went to the city to buy stuff for the event and we got back to the hotel at about 5ish. My boss and another colleague said they will go to the airport to greet the Japanese guests and will meet us at another hotel where the guests will be staying and we will have our dinner there. I told two of my colleagues that we will meet at the lobby at 6 sharp and all of us went back to our rooms. As soon as I got into my room, I looked at the portrait and again I had this uneasy feeling. Again, I shrugged it off and went to shower. Just like earlier, I felt like someone was watching me. I got out of the shower, changed and looked at my watch. It was about 5.45. It was still early, so I lay down on the bed to watch TV. I then decided to put on the alarm, just in case I fell asleep. Then the next thing I know, I woke up with two of my colleagues, let's just name them Ray and Lee. They were in my room. I was blurred and asked them what they were doing in my room. I looked at my watch and it was 6.30pm. I told them, let's go, we are late. So we rushed off to the other hotel where we are supposed to meet my boss, another colleague and the Japanese guests for dinner. Ray and Lee were quiet throughout the ride. When I asked them what happened, they said, let's talk when we get to the venue. And when we got to the hotel, they told me what happened. At 6pm, they went to the lobby but found out that I wasn't there. They find it rather weird as I will always be the first one to wait for everybody. They waited for about 15 minutes but I didn't show up still. They then asked the reception if my key was left at the reception but they said no, which means that I'm still in my room. They tried texting me but there was no reply. They asked the reception to call my room but no one answered. My colleagues that start to panic and worried something might happen to me. I might fell down, heart attack or something like that. So they quickly rushed to my room and started to bang on my door room calling my name. Denise! 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 When they are at the door, they could hear the TV was on. They could also hear the telephone was ringing which they asked reception to keep calling. But no answer. Their panic level was escalated even more. And just so happened, a housekeeping staff showed up. 
and my colleagues asked him to open the door. At first, he refused to, saying that it was against the hotel policy, but my colleagues begged and begged him. Finally, he gave in and used the master key to open the door. But the door was latched from inside. From the slim crack of the door, they could see me on the bed, motionless. Again, they shouted my name, but I never stirred. My room had a balcony that is shared with the room next door. So one of them, Ray, went into the next room, ran to the balcony and climbed into my room. Ray then led Lee in with the housekeeper. Mind you, two of my colleagues were three times my size. These are huge guys. As soon as they got in, they tried to wake me up, as in shaking my entire body, hoping that they would shake me up. It took them about 5 minutes. Then I woke up. After my boss heard of what happened, he was worried because of all the times that he has travelled with me, this has never happened. So my other colleague, let's just call him Brian here, told my boss when we got back to the hotel, he will ask for another room for me. After dinner, we got back to the hotel. Brian then told the reception that he wanted to change my room. They said they can't do so because it was full. Brian said he won't let me stay in the room for the night after whatever happened. And the reception told him that I could just be too tired, which is why I couldn't wake up. But Brian insisted on the room changing. So after much negotiation, the hotel gave me the room that was next to this room. My boss asked if it's okay, otherwise I can bunk in in his room. I said I should be fine. We went up to my room with four guys escorting me to remove all my belongings into the next room. And in the new room, I slept like a baby. The next morning, we met for breakfast and my boss asked if everything was okay. I said yes. Then he told me, when they followed me back into the room to take my belongings, both Brian and him felt something was in the room. And the portrait of Aung San Suu Kyi has some bad vibes. He then continued saying it was a good thing that Ray and Lee came to look for me and I didn't stay the night. Just to share the portrait of Aung San Suu Kyi in the room, to me, she looked very angry or perhaps a very serious and stern look. I lost about 45 minutes to an hour of that day. I don't know when I fell asleep nor did I dream or felt anything weird. It was a complete blank. And another thing, when I went into my room upon check-in, one of the first things I checked was if the balcony door was locked. And I am certain that it was well locked. So how did my colleague Ray get into the room through the balcony door when it was locked? Who unlocked the door? Here at Supernatural Confessions... We would like to remind you, whatever you don't see, doesn't mean it is not there. And after this incident happened, not long after that, according to Denise's post, her company blacklisted the hotel and they no more longer stay in Hotel M whenever they visit Myanmar. It's a good thing that the management or at least the boss concerned about situation like this. Now the next confession is back in Singapore and it is entitled 
Office Toilet by Tan E. Lin. And this is voiced by our very own Sonia Kurana. Office Toilet by Tan Eileen. Two years ago, me and my business partner started a business and we were looking for an office. So my partner found an office which was very cheap, cheap rental. And she sent me photos of the office for me to see. Now, when I first saw the photo, it gave me a sixth sense to reject the place. Not sure why I feel very uncomfortable of the place. However, when we voted, the votes were two to one. So no choice. We decided to rent the place. The office was a shared office where when we enter the office, the door on the left is to our office and on the right is another tenant's office. To go to the toilet, we need to pass through the other tenant's toilet. In the beginning, nothing happened, just that the office was quite dimly lit. I was quite superstitious. Due to the fact that my partner doesn't believe in ghosts, I didn't do any of the rituals when I moved into that office. But feng shui-wise, I do believe that we need to have a bright office to have a healthy business. So due to budget constraints, we renovated the space ourselves, from painting the office to laying the carpet and assembling the furniture and fittings. However, for light wiring and air conditioning, we asked professionals. During this time, the office does not have any paranormal things happening. Everything was as usual in the office. There were countless times when I was the first to reach office and last to leave. After a month, we decided to service the aircon and to get the technician to come to do all of the extension wirings. Since the technician is at our office, I told the technician to fix the bathroom light as well because we have been using our phone torch light to go to the toilet. After the technician left, we locked up the office and left. We came back a few days later because there was a week's holiday. And after the holiday, as usual, we went back to the office and I went to the toilet. I felt curious as the door to the toilet is opened. I shrugged off the thoughts, went to the toilet, closed the door and back to my office. Minutes later, my colleague went to the toilet. Same thing, the door was open. She thought that I didn't close the door properly and she too shrugged off the thought and went to the toilet. When she was done, she closed the door as well. However, when she came back, she noticed she forgot her cell phone. So she headed back to the toilet. But weirdly, the door was open again. She remembered clearly that she had closed the door. She related this incident to the two of us in the office. And my partner said one thing. That thing so hot, meh, keep open the door. If so hot, ask them to come out here, use aircon la. Then she laughed. My partner is a non-believer. I told her, if you don't believe in those things, also don't simply say things. You don't believe does not mean it does not exist. So came lunchtime. Because the two of us felt scared of the door opening by itself, this time we go to the toilet together. When we saw the toilet, we were relieved to see that the toilet door is closed. Phew! So we headed towards the toilet. Halfway reaching the toilet, 
the door creaked open by itself and slammed shut. We could hear things were crashing down inside the toilet. Both of us sensed that this thing is angry and we immediately turned around and ran back to our office. We took our handbags and headed straight for lunch. We didn't say a word until we were far away from the building. When we returned to the office, we told our skeptical friend. She laughed and said, If God, I want to see. That's when she suddenly got a stomachache and rushed to the toilet. In the meantime, we felt our office aircon is not cold. It's like we were in a fire pit. Less than five minutes passed and she rushed back to our office and kept cursing and cursing. Then she asked the two of us over. She did a recording when she went to the toilet and showed us the video. When she entered the toilet, there was nothing. But when she turned back, there was a flash of very long hair of a figure at the toilet door. The three of us immediately packed up and left the office. I immediately went to the medium to seek help. I went to Diapik, Hei Bai Wu Chang. At midnight, the medium went with me to the office. I was quite reluctant. But you know what? I had no choice because I needed to open the door. So I was standing behind the medium the whole time and I felt that was the safer spot. After the ritual had been done, the medium was very quiet. We went downstairs and the medium got into my car while still chanting. I was instructed to drive back to the temple. Throughout the whole journey back, I felt some tingling feeling behind my neck. And after some dead silence, I asked the medium whether everything is settled. And the medium replied me in Malay, Dia sekarang dalam kereta. My heart sank. Then I told the medium, Kalau dia dalam kereta, boleh suruh dia jangan kacau leher saya tak? And soon after, it really stopped. Upon reaching the temple, the medium did some rituals to bring it into the temple. When everything was done, I told the medium, I also jumped car when he said that the thing was inside the car. He told me, Kalau tidak bawa pergi temple, lu mau saya bawa dia pergi mana? After that incident, all those things are sorted. But whatever happened had caused some trauma. So I quit. We have come to the end of this episode of Supernatural Confessions. If you have enjoyed this episode, please rate us with a 5-star review on whichever platform you are streaming this podcast on. Go on and tell your friends and family about us. You can find more of our content on YouTube, Facebook and our website. Search for keyword Supernatural Confessions. If you or someone you know have a confession to make, visit supernaturalconfessions.com. You can send it in text, voice memo, or even video format. Let us know if you want your identity to be kept secret. Supernatural Confessions is created by Eugene Tay. Until the next episode, my name is Kim, your host for this podcast series signing off with Whatever you don't see doesn't mean it is not there.